Hey, everybody, this is Brett. And I'm Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast. 1997 edition. Hello, everybody, near, far, wherever you are, and welcome to the Guild of Films podcast. Which picture was best? I am one of your hosts, Christian, as you will know, because you are fans of ours. We love you. All the applause out there for that. Uh, Anyway, here's Brett as well. Hi. Hello, hello. Hello. So if you couldn't get from the little, little, uh, little intro thing there, we are talking about the year of the big ship, Titanic. The 70th Academy Awards. Titanic literally sank the competition. I mean, yeah, it's a good night. Is it too soon? It's been like 100 plus years. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) Leave me alone. Uh, Anyway, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, (laughs) So anyway, yeah, um, it's the Titanic year. It's very, it's a big year. It's one that I really love Titanic. And with us actually is our special guest. Welcome back, Toby. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, he's here because he's a huge Titanic fan. Um, that's why I wanted him here. And really, anytime we watch this movie, the boy offers so many fun facts. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the amount of watching we like watch. But he's also like, did you know the shit? Blah, blah. I'm like, OK, <sighs> nice. Yeah, I, I for a period in middle school, I was kind of obsessed with it. There was this book at the library. I checked it out like every week. Nice. So I knew quite a bit. I'd forgotten a lot of the facts, but I know a little bit. Right. I'm excited to get to that, especially the orange juice fact. I I want to I want to dive into that. So oh my gosh, I regret <laughs> I regret telling you this. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, it's exciting. Uh, this is 1997, a, a big year for Titanic, but also just that the 90s are are kind of awesome. I like every time we do the 90s, I get excited. So it's a um, really. I was looking at the letterbox list of like 90s move 97 movies I've seen it's a good list. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm excited to dive into some more and talk about the ones we've, we've already seen. So uh, as for the Oscars this year, of course, a pretty big one. We've had a lot of anniversary years that we've talked about this year for like, no, it's, it's been total coincidence, but this is the 70th Academy Awards um, in 1997. So we've talked about the 50th this year. We've talked about the 75th. It's only natural that we come to this as well. So uh, they took place on March 23rd at 1998. Best Picture, of course, went to Titanic, um, which was one of was the first film to win Best Picture without a screenplay nomination since The Sound of Music, um, which is pretty wild that it wasn't nominated for screenplay. I mean, it got nominated for pretty much almost everything else. So, um, and I don't even know what's won without screenplay since. Seems like that's one of the most essential for a Best Picture winner. So, um, did Nomadland win last year? It was nominated for Adapted. Yeah, it, it was nominated for Adapted. It lost to The Father, but That's it was right. nominated. So, yeah. Um, Best Director went to James Cameron, of course, for Titanic. That was one of three awards he won that night. He won for producing the movie and for the editing as well. Uh, Best Actress went to Helen Hunt for As Good As It Gets, as well as Jack Nicholson for Best Actor for As Good As It Gets. And that was the seventh film 
to win both lead acting awards. And still the latest, correct? Hasn't happened since. Or am I missing one? No, that's that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah. Um, Best Supporting Actress went to Kim Basinger for L.A. Confidential. I think we'll have some <laughs> thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, Best Support Supporting Actor went to Robin Williams for Good Will Hunting. I think we'll also have opposite thoughts on that. Um, Best Original Screenplay went to opposite from the Kim Basinger thoughts. Oh, the faces we made. We need to make this a visual medium because I, <laughs> I had to address that. Uh, best original screenplay went to Goodwill Hunting. Uh, ben Affleck and Matt Damon won for that. And Ben Affleck is still the youngest to ever win that category. Uh, most wins, of course, went to Titanic with 11, tied for the most all time with Ben Hur and Return of the King. Uh, most nominations also went to Titanic. It got nominated for 14 total, so only lost three. Also tied for the most all-time with All About Eve and the La La Land for that record. This was hosted by Billy Crystal for the sixth time. Um, and with it being the 70th anniversary, they had 70 actors who all kind of gathered on stage, both you know former honorary and competitive winners, um, including some that won that year, and they deemed it like the Oscars family album. So I don't know if the two of you saw that on, on the YouTube link or not, but it sounded kind of cool. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it before. Yeah. Um, the ratings are, are kind of one of the big deals from this year, aside from Titanic just completely dominating. The other thing was the ratings. It's still the highest the Oscars have ever had. They had like 57.25 million viewers. Um, on average, I, I think they said at one point they were up to 80 million. So um, still the most for any Oscars and the most for any live award show in U.S. television history. So, I mean, clearly that was all for Titanic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Everybody saw it. So, of course, everybody wanted to go and watch it win all this stuff as well. So, yeah. And the star power thing was even bigger back then, too. I mean, like Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio, Young Heartthrob. So, I mean, yeah. Also, the fact that Titanic was still number one at the box office at the time of the ceremony. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it lasted until April for number one. So. Yeah, yeah. it must have. Because I saw the like the totals. I can't remember what it was, but the totals when it won the Oscars, like it still had a ways to go before it like reached its its like status that it's got to now. So. Right. Um. But yeah, that's kind of what was happening with this Oscar year. Obviously a pretty big one, especially for Titanic. We will talk about that and the other four nominees. Christian, do you want to go ahead and take us away with our first film? Yes. All right. All I'm saying is what if this is as good as it gets? Okay. So that's the movie, As Good As It Gets, um, directed by James L. Brooks, who uh, actually listeners will talk about in future episodes when we cover Terms of Endearment. Um, but As Good As It Gets stars Jack Nicholson as Melvin Udall. He has OCD and it is a very high aggressive form of OCD. So he checks his locks multiple times. He doesn't step on any cracks. He doesn't like to be touched. He brings his own utensils to restaurants. And the particular restaurant he goes to, um, his normal waitress is Carol Conley, played by Helen Hunt. I don't know if I mentioned, but Jack Nicholson is Melvin Udall. Um, but they have sort of a weird relationship. He thinks that maybe they're friends. She definitely doesn't want anything to do with him, not even weigh on him because he's annoying to her. Um, he speaks his mind too. And that sometimes gets him into trouble and pisses him off a lot. 
But anyway, there's also his neighbor, Simon Bishop, played by Greg Kinnear, and Simon's little dog, Verdell, who I know we all loved, because I, I relate to Verdell. <laughs> but he's a, he's a Griffin Brook. Griffin Brussels or something like that, but he's cute as hell. But anyway, Simon gets attacked. Uh, he's an artist. He gets attacked by his model and his model's friends one day. And while he's in the hospital, his uh, assistant, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., asked uh, Melvin to take care of the dog. And so that's a whole new thing because dogs and particularly Melvin, they, they don't mesh at all. I mean, the opening scene has him throwing him down the garbage chute, the little dog. Oh, it's sad. But they slowly develop a relationship and Melvin changes, I guess, a little bit. It's hard to really tell. But his relationship also with Carol begins to slowly develop into something totally different. Um, but they become closer, especially when he learns that she has a very sick son. There's an entire also scene where he mentions the son will die and the kid is very sick and that sets her off too. But it's all about really relationships here in terms of communication. I wouldn't necessarily call this a romantic comedy. It, I know people want to push it as that. I even read where like they both thought this was a rom-com. It's, I don't know. I mean, she mentions that he's her boyfriend, but I don't buy into it. But anyway, um, I've, I've always liked this movie. Um, when I first watched it, we, we back when I loved it. And I don't know why, but a couple of years ago, Toby and I both watched it when we were doing uh, like best actress winners. And I was like, it's fine. It's cool. It's a sad movie because the more you think about it, the more you're like, well, Melvin has this condition, this OCD and nobody accepts that. Like, why don't you accept that? Especially Carol. Like, this is what, this is as good as it gets for him. This is what you're going to get at this level, like he's gonna be this way, he's gonna talk, he might say abrasive things. You gotta like hold your tongue, I guess. I mean, you can be mad, but the like the dinner sequence is really the best sequence there because she gives him a chance and then he blows it and whatever. Um, I'm spoiling things, but whatever, you've had 25 years to see this movie. And it's good, you know what? It's lighthearted. It's not like super dramatic at all. It is a comedy and in the heart of it, but it's like one of those lighthearted things. But yeah, that's it. And I, I do like it nowadays. I think it is still sad um, how they treat Melvin. Sometimes he deserves it. I mean, but again, he can't stop that. He can't stop him being him. So, but yeah, I do like it. I very much appreciate it. It's enjoyable to watch too and a good cast. Well, I've seen I've seen it a few times now. Um, and I kind of think like with every watch, I kind of like it a little less. Um, like Christian's touched on, like, I don't like that Melvin as a character is expected to change himself for Carol. And Carol doesn't really seem to want to change herself for him at all. And it's like the dinner scene is a very powerful scene. And I do like that she like gives him that chance but for the most part in the movie she doesn't um, especially in the end um i do find jack nickel i do find the performance good enough um but really when you kind of like look at the other nominees it's sort of like a i don't really they're in the middle of the road compared to you know what was that what else was nominated um i do like greg kinnear in this too though um his performance is pretty good um, his whole like arc is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, this is my first time watching 
And I, I think I'm kind of in the same boat in that it's good. It's not great. Um, I, at times it started to feel like a traditional and you're right, not a romantic comedy, more like a romantic dramedy, I would say. Cause mm-hmm. I do think that when you leave the film, the dramatic aspects are more felt than the comedic aspects. And the, I think the fact that it has a happier, happy-ish ending kind of, it might be what drives that romantic comedy I don't know, status that it continues to have. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think the real strength is the performances. It, it's the, it's the characters even more. So I think especially Jack Nicholson, he's a really complex character. Um, and that, you know, I, I think OCD is probably one of the more misunderstood mental illnesses. Um, and so like, I, and I don't pretend to know a whole lot about it, but like, this is not like he likes to have his book set up the right way you know, how like some people t- sometimes treat OCD. It's that like, there is a genuine like fear and like you can sense that through Jack Nicholson's performance if everything isn't done a certain way. Um, and so I did like kind of just from what I know that portrayal and it's not like anything I think I've seen before in movies. Um, while also holding up that like, as sometimes he is kind of a bigot, you know, and there are sometimes where he just has to do more learning and, you know, Sometimes he needs a little bit of room, uh, a little bit of guidance to get there. And so, and I think that's sometimes where the characters don't really understand. Um, and so I did like Jack Nicholson. It's not, it's not a, a great, it's not a great Jack Nicholson performance in that it's not top tier Jack Nicholson. It's still very good Jack Nicholson. I did really like Helen Hunt though. I, I think that is kind of a, an interesting character to play because the character isn't always the most likable but she sells it so well. I mean, I, it's, it's one of those things like, can't judge the character for her performance. You judge how, he, how she plays it. And I've still found myself drawn to her, even sometimes I didn't always agree with the character. Um, that's because like she's given these monologues that shouldn't work at all. Like they should be so over the top. And for some reason, she just delivers them so well that I don't mind it so much. Um, I actually really like the scenes between her and Greg Kinnear's character in the, in the hotel room where he's like drawing her and like getting his spark back. Um, it's just an interesting connection between the two. Um, but I think, I think part of what brings the film down for me a little bit is that it feels the need to be a romance. And it's like, do these characters really need to be together? can they not just be like strong acquaintances, like build a friendship from that way? And I'm not trying to say that like, oh, like his OCD should prevent him from being in love with someone and like being with her, but it just feels forced. I mean, to me, it's a really sweet ending, but it doesn't always feel earned just because I don't, I don't see this couple happening. I see them as someone who maybe try and they realize we have a lot of respect for each other. We can be great acquaintances, great friends without having to have any romantic connection. And that's okay. You know, you can have a man and a woman in a film as leads and not have them end up together in the end. And I think this is one where they, they probably should have done that. I think it would have been stronger in the end, but overall I do enjoy the process. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Cause like, if you really do kind of like watch it, their relationship arc is not, I don't think it naturally ends with them being together. Obviously it does feel very like, force it's like it just happens right at the end they're together but like the scenes like before that are like they're fighting and they're 
it doesn't really work. They're telling you it doesn't work, but then at the end, it's like, oh, we're just going to make it work. Like this isn't right. really. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I mean, I think after the little bakery scene there at the end, I think they'll just be friends, if anything. I mean, he'll be yeah. friends with Simon and he'll be friends with Carol, but there's nothing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. The person they're all going to love is Burdell, though. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that doesn't make it any less happy of an ending to me. Right. Like, yeah. So. And the poster has Riddell. So it's not like the poster tells you that it's like, well, not that one. But it's not like the He's poster tells him. you that it's a rom-com right. either. Yeah, exactly. Have, like, Helen Hunt this, on the, the poster. poster is the poster is really weird because it's the scene where he first picks up Verdell, which is a big moment, really, if you think about it. Uh-huh. And it just says, "Brace yourself for Melvin." It's like, <laughs> what, what are you supposed to take off of that? Is he like psycho or what? <laughs> like this poster tells like, you nothing about what this movie is except, oh, it's Jack Nicholson, I guess. And yeah. He's the, the, uh, uh, is he blind because he's wearing glasses? <laughs> like what? Yeah. But it is as good as it gets. So holding a dog in the air. It says a comedy. The tagline is a comedy from the heart. It goes for the throat. That goes for the throat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that immediately tells me this man is an American psycho. And he's going to get you. (laughs) Who is behind that marketing team? I do appreciate the fact that like the dog even starts to become ocd a little bit and he like skips across the cracks and it's like that's the cutest thing ever like they got the dog to do that right yeah exactly great performance from the dog um but yeah i so weird quite okay obviously we know titanic was not losing this year okay Mm -hmm. like it wasn't gonna happen but if it did is this what wins I mean, like two mm-hmm. lead acting awards. I don't know. It, it's right there. That's it. I don't know. I don't, it didn't get nominated for director. That's a good point. I That's think it's got to be either that or Goodwill Hunting. I got to say Goodwill Hunting because it won screenplay won and screenplay. actor. But then you also have to take in the LA Confidential. Confidential, same thing. Also won the same thing. Won a lot of critics' awards too. Dang. They were all just like even. I and honestly just there was Titanic, and then Full Monty was like, "We're glad to be here." So right. <laughs> exactly. Well, like even if you watch Billy Crystal's monologue, because he always does the song things, and he's like, he mentions like, "Will L.A. Confidential be the iceberg tonight?" Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and it did. L.A. Confidential obviously did get a lot of nominations. I think it got like nine. So yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if they would go. They wouldn't go for this lightheartedness anymore because obviously they mm-hmm. didn't make any all, which we've spoken about. But yeah. I think they're just more here to give Helen Hunt and Jack something. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, Helen Hunt won an Emmy, I think, the same year, and she's like one of the only people to do that. Oh wow! Yeah, because uh, her TV show, whatever the hell it's called, it was popular still at this time. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of all the nominations and awards, Christian, do you want to go over all those real quick? Yeah, let me get the list. Where is it at? Here we go. Okay, so obviously Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson both won. Ooh, also, I want to point this out. When did Helen win? Because remember, it's like much oh. differently than it was now. Yeah, so it's like Helen won like earlier in the night and then Jack won like a little bit later. And then like the whole order of the awards was kind of weird because like cinematography was like, fourth to the last and like oh. it was like they were trying to give titanic like 
Titanic won like the last five awards of the night or something. Right. Gotcha. Helen would be winning second to last. Right. Yeah. You could definitely tell they were building the show around Titanic. That makes that makes sense because that like whole Oscars family album thing. They said that Helen Hunt was a part of it. Like she was on stage with everybody as a winner. And I was like, oh, well, she must have had to win fairly early in the show, unless that was like one of the like very happy. last things they did. So um, so it was also nominated for a picture, supporting actor for Greg Kinnear, original screenplay, film editing. And back then the score was split. So it's a musical or comedy score that it was nominated for. And uh, also Billy Crystal made note that like it directed itself because James L. Brooks did not get a nomination for this. <laughs> Interesting. Oh. What was the like additional nomination for uh the guy who directed the sweet hereafter oh, okay which will oh. be later which is kind of weird though because i not these days some i mean nowadays i think a lot of people see directing as the technical achievement but like you know for a lot of years it was like who directs their actors really well um and so, like, this one, you had two lead acting winners, but their director doesn't get in, which is, I don't know, to me, it's still kind of weird. But, and, you know, actually, I've never thought about that before, to be honest. It does, you do direct the actors, obviously, and this one movie won two acting awards. Yeah. So that's, like, the director talks to the actors and helps them, I, I, I guess, I've never yeah. thought about that. Good point. It's, it's interesting, so... Any further thoughts on As Good As It Gets before we move on to our next one? This would make a good musical for whatever reason in my mind. I could see it. I also, where's Jack? Make me one more movie. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can all agree on that. Or at least show yourself. Also, okay, one more thing. When he accepted his speech, I, I loved his like his nod to all his nominees because he's like, all of you are most are like most of my friends here. And then Matt Damon, he's like, Matt Damon and your father, which I don't understand what that means. But he's like, Dusty. He says, Dusty, Bobby, who else nominate with him? Oh, and my my old biker buddy, Fonda, over there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's cute. That's cool. I like yeah. that. I forgot to watch the speeches, so that's How cool. Dare you. They're so I know. Good. All right. Well, Christian, do you want to take us away with our next one? Yes. So next, we're going to be with the little movie that was just happy to be there. <laughs> uh, and the little movie that really could, I guess. But it is The Full Monty, directed by Peter Cotneo. Uh, but it's from England, the UK area. And it is the story of some unemployed men led by Gaz, played by Robert Carlyle. And they're unemployed. Uh, I believe they worked in, oh gosh... Let's see where they're working at. Steel mills. Steel, yeah. yeah. Steel mills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that or the mines. I was Billy Elliot situation. Anyway, so they're out of work. They need money. Gaz especially needs money because he needs to make a life for himself and his son. He's divorced. Um, his ex-wife is trying to sort of not have him see his son anymore because he can't keep a steady job. He's not even really looking for one. So he and his friends... Um, Let's see. There's a group of them. One particularly, though, Mark Addy, who I really loved in this film, they decide to become male strippers, like a Chippendales type situation. Now, these are not like buff, macho, abs ripped men. These are literally the dad bods 
of the UK. But they uh, they get involved with this. They even bring along their former supervisor, played by Tom Wilkinson. Brett's, <laughs> Brett really likes Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. Tommy Wilkes. Yeah. So they bring him along and they do their thing. They practice. There's a great scene in the unemployment line where one of the songs that they've been practicing to, they just start doing a little dance and everybody's like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, But then they get caught by the local fuzz, as the UK people would say, during a like a it was like a rehearsal type situation. And they kind of question, did they do this? Do I keep doing this or am I going to get in trouble with my wife and I'll never see my son again? But you'll have to see what happens. It's a funny movie. It's a cute movie, too. I will say it's a weird thing to say cute, but whatever. I've never seen this before. I don't know what I was expecting, but I loved it. I don't know why, but like, I think it was just inspiring. Like these guys are just like, you know what? Let's make some money. Let's strip. Let's magic mic ourselves, which by the way, I don't know if the controversial take here. This is a much better movie than magic mic. Okay. By far. Okay. It's funny. It has heart to it. Um, Robert Carlyle's really good. Tom Wilkinson's really good. I love Mark Addy in this though. Um, and if you don't know who Mark Addy is, I don't know why, but he's in Flintstones and Viva Las Vegas, Rock Vegas or whatever it's called. Look, that was a childhood movie of mine, but no, it's very enjoyable. Um, I don't know. How it's, it's super easy to find because we, it would happen to be on TV and I recorded it, but um, yeah. It won a bunch of, you know what? Oh, hey, yo, at the BAFTAs, Titanic did not win. This won, okay? So that's how big it was over in England, okay? That not even the big ship movie could win against this 91-minute movie about dads stripping. So what have you. Go ahead. Yeah, I, um, it is. It's kind of like the little the little movie that could. And not that it doesn't deserve to be here. I think it, it's it's awesome um it's very british and that like you know this is not like an american movie made by a british director or something it it is a british movie um so i can see why it did so well at the baftas um i'm glad you said inspiring because that's the first thing that i have in my mind too is like this movie about like these middle-aged men turning to stripping to make it work it is inspiring. Like, and it's, you know, they're not the ones you would expect to see in that situation, you know, thumbs up for a body positive movie. Um, and you know, it, it works extremely well. It's very funny. Um, but I, I, what I like best about it is that it does, it doesn't focus so much on garnering laughs that it, it, it still takes time to develop the characters, you know, um, each of them, we learn a little bit about their own like unique situations. It's not where they all have the same thing going on where they're just like, oh, we got fired and we need the money to make rent. Um, even though that's part of it, Gaz has trouble with like ha- keeping custody of his son. Gerald has not even told his wife that he's unemployed. Um, so he's got that weird dynamic going on. Dave is like struggling with whether to get another job as a security guard and is like struggling with his image and having his own marital issues. And so the fact that it takes time because they work really well as a group, but it also takes time where they're all kind of separate and in their families. And while Gaz to me is like the lead here, um, you know, he's, he's the one that gets the most focus. Those three in particular, those main three all get their time to shine. 
Um, and that's what I really like about it because it just makes it that much more effective when they all come together in the end, they put on their stripper act and everybody is cheering for him. It gives me chills right now, just talking about it. And, you know, we get to the end, they flash their nude asses and it's like the perfect ending <laughs> to the movie. So, um, sorry to spoil it, but you know, like Christian said, you've had a while to see it, but, um, it's delightful. It's the most it's one of the more surprising best picture nominees, not because of its quality, but just because I, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's in the Academy's wheelhouse. And yet um, they didn't nominate it for a ton, but you know, they, they gave it some recognition, which I find really cool. So highly enjoyable. I, I think this is one that I, I struggle to see people not at least finding some enjoyment in. Yeah. I have to agree with everything you said. Like um, I do find it to be, one of the more surprising best picture nominees, especially like if you look at the other ones from this year and it's like the other ones are more like typical. And this one's just like this really like, I just found it hilarious because it was just so genuine. And like, like you said, Brett, the characters really get their time and it's not like you're laughing all the time, but you get that time to connect with characters, which makes it even funnier. Cause um, yeah, you just have that connection and it's just, I found it really surprising. I wasn't expecting it to be so funny and to like it so much. Hmm. Um, so this is a musical, by the way. What? I didn't oh, know that actually. Yep. Yes, it was turned into a musical. And the thing about it is like we keep saying inspiring stuff, but it's also very relevant because they switch it to an American setting because something like this could happen in America, like an unemployed, unemployed group of men mm-hmm. trying to get your kid and stuff and turn to stripping but i also want to point out and i just realized this that i don't know how many years we've done with this but every single movie won an oscar at one point yeah which yeah. it feels like a rare situation here well especially with titanic winning like 11 yeah yeah exactly so um but no i it's a charming movie, y'all, and definitely watch it. And The Full Monty, I think it's now in, like, the lexicon of things. Because, like, when you say The Full Monty, I know exactly what you're meaning. It's like you're going for everything. You're going for it all. Yeah. And that's what these dudes have to do. Yeah. yeah exactly. Also, the, fun- the funniest scene is when they're practicing in Tom Wilkinson's house and, like, the... um the what rent a center type people come to get the furniture and like all the guys just come out in their underwear and they're like half naked and they're like okay we're just gonna go now (laughs) i like the part where like they're having auditions and the guy comes in and tom wilkinson has his paper up and he's like he fixed my shower once or like or something like that (laughs) he he worked on something out of his house and he's like he knows me (laughs) and the guy the guy makes the group so such a nice little movie um, so this you may go with the win yes go for it so it won something um because the scores were split for whatever reason in the back in the 90s it won the score musical or comedy there you go and it was also nominated of course for best picture best director which is interesting i guess mm-hmm. and original screenplay as well no acting noms though which meh because some of them definitely deserved it yeah. They really don't go for comedic performances. And that's I, where, like, I think we said, like, Ice Goes gets, it's not much of a comedy like this is. So that gave them an advantage in that area. So, did this one a SAG, though? I could see it. It would have been like, what, the second? Yeah. Second SAG ceremony or something like that. 
we're gonna look because i feel like this is the type of movie that they're like wow yeah we love this because it works so strong as a full ensemble yeah i could see that oh wow this is so hard to find the wikipedia sag page okay here we go here we go and oh i don't see anything yes it did it won best cast in a motion picture there you go there you go interesting so it's it's not just that like the oscars it's not even it doesn't strike me as like a surprise nominee either i mean it won the sag it did really well at the baftas so it obviously had some precursor love bafta is probably not too surprising but still and i will say during this time in the 90s too there are always these little smaller movies that are overseas picks that then get like a huge momentum because I can think of like four weddings and a funeral was pretty mm. popular from 94 babe. Like who saw babe coming <laughs> for best picture nomination. Okay. Right. And then like this, it's like these small, pretty short movies. Boom. Here you go. Yeah. And I haven't seen the budget for this, but it, it feels like an indie movie, you know, at least yeah. part of the time. So that's kind of cool too. Uh, three and a half million and a half million. Yeah. Box office too. yeah box office like 258 worldwide nice that is a profit <laughs> success but yeah that's the full monty we definitely recommend it any further thoughts on that it's good all right well i am going to introduce our next film um this was another first time watch for me in fact titanic was the only one from this year that i had seen before so they all were. Um, I know. But yeah, this is Goodwill Hunting. Uh, this stars Matt Damon in the lead role as our title character, Will Hunting. Uh, he is a janitor at MIT. So, of course, this is a Boston flick. Um, he has a group of friends led by, you know, Ben Affleck and Casey Affleck here. Um, and they're kind of what you would expect from a, a Boston kind of bar harp bar hopping group of friends they have probably gotten into some trouble before they you know go to bars and hit on women and get in fights with other guys sometimes and they they all are working class and that's what they do they go to work do their nine to five and then they go they go out together afterwards and that's kind of how they live their life but things become a little bit different when um will walks by this chalkboard at mit sees this math equation um, that is supposed to be really complex. These students have the entire semester to figure it out, and he solves it right then and there. And so he is discovered by the professor who put the um, assignment on the board, who's played by Stellan Skarsgård, um, and realizes that Will is a math genius. Um, and kind of just wants to get, get him help, help him find direction in his life. Will has run into trouble with the law, uh, multiple times throughout his life, we come to discover some other things about his background that kind of led him to this path. Um, but Skarsgård character kind of wants to set him on the right path, but we also kind of figure out that this is kind of largely a a thing for him to, um, a way for him to find fulfillment. Um, of course, they run into some speed bumps along the way, and he tries getting Will set up with a psychologist. That's the deal. If, if Will works with him and sees a psychologist, he can stay out of jail um, and be out on bond. And so... They try numerous people and nothing really works until they come across um, 
the instructor, his name is Lambo, his old friend, Sean from college, um, who is played by Robin Williams in his Oscar winning role. And so Will starts to work with Sean. They kind of work through things together. And the thing is about Sean is that he doesn't back down to Will. You know, all the other psychologists, they give in to Will being a smart ass, being a bit of an asshole. And Sean gives it right back. And he pretty much just does not take any shit. Um, and we find out that's kind of what Will needs. And they end up kind of um, not just Will confiding in, in Sean, but the two of them confiding in each other too. Uh, because Sean has some healing to do after the death of his wife previously as well. And so what comes across is a really uh, inspirational and sad, but also very heartwarming movie um, that really it's impossible for this to not tug at your heartstrings. Um, I think just having a character like Will Hunting, who is very flawed in a lot of ways, but learning why that is learning more about his background and just building him up as a character along with the people around him. It works really well. Um, I was a, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was a bit concerned at first because it starts and you've got that Danny Elfman score. It sounds very sentimental and it's like, Oh, this is the route we're going down, but it works because it takes its time. It doesn't just dive right into it. Um, and I, I enjoyed every bit of it. I, I thought the scenes with his Boston buddies is like exactly what you should expect from that type of dynamic, but it even leads up to a really just heartfelt and like tear jerking scene between, Damon and Affleck that um, really works really well as well. And so great performances all around. This might be my favorite ensemble of the year. Um, along with those, I mentioned Minnie driver, I think is awesome in this movie. Like she is fantastic. It, we talked about Kim Basinger earlier. We'll get to her. I think Minnie driver from those I've seen should have been probably winning that Oscar here um, at least over Basinger, because I think she's pretty terrific here and a role that I, I think sometimes get lost just because you have such great work from Robin Williams and Matt Damon and Stellan Skarsgård who deserve every bit of praise they get, but the whole cast all around is just excellent. And it results in a really well-written charming, but also just authentic feeling movie that I really adored. And I've actually liked it more and more since I watched it. So. Yeah. I mean, I really love this movie too. Um, I've seen it a few times. Um, and like every time I watch it, it's like I pick up on a little something different. Um, like you said, Mini Driver is like fantastic here. Um, there are definitely scenes that like mean a little more each different each time because of just, you know, things that are going on in your own life and things um, like that. Uh, the second time I actually watched this, I watched it with my little brother and I wasn't expecting to really like it at all. And he actually cried and I was like, wow, this is like such a movie that like can really touch somebody um, in different ways. Uh, it, it, Robin Williams, obviously fantastic. Uh, my personal favorite supporting actor winner. I haven't seen them all, but you know, it's just really great. Yeah, um, I've always really loved this too. And Robin Williams is amazing in it. Mm -hmm. But like Toby said, um, every time I watch this, you pick up on something. That like fight scene between, I don't know if you call it fight, but they do get loud. But between Will and Minnie Driver's character, mm -hmm. like she, and when she breaks down talking about her dad and stuff, and it's like, this is the reason I have money. It's not because 
I wanted to, like, if I could, I'd give that all back for another day with my dad. Like, that's a heartbreaking scene. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, Brett, the scene um, where Ben Affleck is telling him what he's always wanted, but it's not like he's like, you know, it's not his dream. It's a dream for his friend Mm -hmm. because there's so much potential with Will and everything. And um, Robin Williams, like, amazing. Love that man. Miss that man. Like, Mm think about that but no it's a good movie it is definitely real well written um family guy makes a nice joke about this that only matt damon wrote it and not ben affleck (laughs) and you know what in my heart i actually want to believe that like i could see matt damon writing this i can't see ben because if why wouldn't his character be in this more you know but right I don't know. It's a good script and definitely written by the right guy set in the right place. It's a place they know, a place they grew up in. How about them apples? Because nobody said that yet. And I I wanted to say it. I would say, um, I just thought of this. When we first saw it, he showed it to me. We said um, Wicked Smart for like the longest (laughs) time. Did we? Oh, I don't remember. You still say that. I know I do occasionally, but we said it all the time when i when we first watched this like 2017 i think yeah look it's quotable in that case i guess it is um <laughs> yeah I awesome it. to say i was just thinking you know with many drivers character it's kind i do like the ending um it sort of left a little bit open-ended um as if you know did he get back to her mm-hmm. uh, that i think that makes her character even better because um, it makes it a little more um, not typical, more not like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's an, I mean, gosh, I hope he makes it back to her because he's driving halfway. Yeah. He's not even halfway. <laughs> he's driving the entire continent <laughs> to get to her. Hopefully she's, she's good going with to that. California. <laughs> he's in Massachusetts. Yeah. Like, Hopefully she's good with that. Whew, hope she yeah. doesn't find somebody within the next in that last days. Line, that last line from Robin Williams. I, I think it worked out. Yeah. Just because she, yeah. she she clearly loved him a lot. Yeah. Despite all the baggage he already had. So I, I yeah, I'm predicting it worked out. But I love that ending too, because and sorry, yeah, spoiler alert, but whatever. Um, it's been a while. So like this whole movie, it feels like it's leading up to okay, we want good. I almost call, we want goodwill hunting. We want Will Hunting to have a fulfilling life. And for most of the characters, that's like, oh, he's going to get a job. He's going to make a lot of money. He's going to get out of where he lives. It ends up being he finds the person he loves. And that, it may seem overly sentimental on the surface, but when you watch the movie build up to that and realize that that's also where Robin Williams' character has been leading him, because every scene that they have, you know, or most of the scenes they have, Robin Williams is talking about, you know, I, I've had this great life, but like, let me tell you about my wife. Like, let me tell you what it was like being with her. And that was really powerful. Robin Williams, obviously a great performance, wholly deserving of that Oscar. Also very cool Oscar win because he doesn't really like shout a whole lot. He doesn't like do a lot of like crying. He doesn't have like, you know, that many like, outward Oscar scenes it's still I would even call it subtle but it's just very natural like he's not it's not acting in uppercase letters it's character um and so I really appreciated that too 
for sure it's like um like you said i don't even think about it like that though because like it just the character sticks with me because it's just like he's so real Mm -hmm. it's not even like you're watching you're not watching robin you're watching um the character and it's just like it's really great in that way right and it's like too that robin has two personas he has the comedic robin williams the dramatic and he is like one of like to me few skilled actors who can do perfectly both of those and even combine them and he does both here sure. more dramatic yeah. of course but like so good i think it's yeah yeah it's definitely a mix of both because he he does take those digs at will and it's like it's pretty a combination of both right definitely yeah uh, and also like his win i don't know if he was i don't think he was expecting it because just from the from like his persona that night he I, I don't I think Burt Reynolds was expecting it for Boogie Nights because Burt looked all pissed off and stuff and Robin was just gasping and oh my god like sorry to say but the Mushbuka Weinstein <laughs> that's my favorite and uh, and then Billy Crystal came out because Billy Crystal and him are like super good friends Billy Crystal came out of the wings and clapped for him like oh. this was this was an Oscar well deserved yeah you know? a lot of respect in the room I'm sure yeah so. And then, of course, like Batman and what what are their names? Matt and Ben <laughs> acting like children up there. Yep. <laughs> honestly, honestly, good reaction for like something you probably never thought you would have gotten in your lifetime. Yeah, I'm all for it. Like if you if that's how you should win an Oscar, you should be excited you won an Oscar. OK, right. I, like I don't like this. They're like, oh, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No, you want a fucking Oscar. Like, right. yeah, Regardless excited you won like- an Oscar. All right. Regardless if you're like the, you know, you're going to win or not, you should. Uh, because that happens the, a lot. Of it's the things. Olivia, it's the Olivia Coleman thing. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, you should act like that every time. I've always told myself, like, if I were to win one, I'm going up there and I'd be like, look, I don't know if I'll ever be up here again. So I'm just going to say this. You can bleep me all, but holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get ready. Right. It's like, get ready for, I know we're on a delay. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's great though. And I really do. I, I love that scene between Matt and Ben. I mean, that's, I, you know, whatever, you know, how you, however you feel about it. But that's where you could feel like their friendship that went into writing this and creating this in that scene where Ben, it's like, I want you to do this because it's good for all of us. You know, you're still one of us no matter what you do. So, um, and still Skarsgård too. I really like him too. So, weird question here, but how do we feel about the title? I don't know. The title is weird because if you think about it, it's like good will hunting, like will hunting is the name of the guy. So is it like, this is, this is the good will hunting <laughs> or it's like good will hunting. <laughs> Look, the title pisses me off is what I'm just trying to say. <laughs> it, I don't know. It, it doesn't roll when you, when you finally realize that his name is will hunting, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Yeah, I, I could see it. I never thought about that, but I could see it. I don't know. It doesn't bother me, but yeah, that's it fair. bothers me. Okay. <laughs> it's like he's searching for the good version of himself. I don't you mean you have a good point there, but oh look at that. Uh, that makes sense. There you go. Uh the no, the thing that bothers me is like the little clover below it on the poster. I'm like, hey, by the way, this is a Boston movie. We're Irish, so no. Uh, I don't think that's now we're gonna look 
Yeah, if you look on the poster, there's like a little quote. Oh, is. I've never noticed that. <laughs> wow. I do like the poster, though, aside from that. I mean, it's just him and Robin Williams kind of talking things out, except the names are switched from oh. the, the writing. Oh. I hate when they do that, but okay. <clears throat> so, Brett, do you want to go over the wins? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that's so what two- you normally do with my turn. <laughs> Two Oscar wins, supporting actor for Robin Williams, obviously, and then original screenplay. Uh, seven additional noms, so it did really well on the night for Best Picture, Director, Actor for Matt Damon, Supporting Actress for Minnie Driver, Film Editing, Original Song uh, for the song Miss Misery, and Dramatic Score. Is that song in the credits? I could not tell you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize it So until I looked at the noms. I'm assuming so. But... All right. Any further thoughts? Or are we ready for our next film? We can just skip our next film. Wow. Okay. Well, this is going to be obviously the contentious one today. Uh, our next film is L.A. Confidential. And so this is like a 1950s L.A. slash um, Hollywood noir crime drama. It mainly focuses on three, three cops um, they're played by Kevin Spacey, ugh, Russell Crowe, and then Guy Pierce. Um, they are these three crops. They all have their own kind of like different methods. Spacey's character is the really seedy one who like pays for his scoops. And he works with an entertainment journalist, um, who's played by Danny DeVito. Russell Crowe is like the muscle. He is going to beat up people in the movie. And, um, try to get everything he can out of it. Guy Pierce is wants to do everything by the book. He is totally against corruption. He wants everything to be done as ethically as possible, so on, so forth. Um, they all get caught up in this scheme that it's hard to even kind of pin down because it all kind of builds out as the movie um, goes along. But it begins with the story of police corruption. And this kind of leads into the murder of one of those cops that was found to be corrupt and removed from his job. And so this leads them down to a lot of different characters, a lot of different things going on. It all kind of revolves around um, somewhat around Kim Basinger's character. And she uh, works as a sex worker um, for this rich man named Pierce Patchett, who's played by David Strathairn. Um, And we find out that he is basically using plastic surgery to turn these women into looking like movie stars. Um, but this is all kind of set during the time when Mickey Cohen was being arrested. And so his rackets were all up for grabs. And so what we come to find out is that there are people that are trying to take over those rackets and take up all the business that Mickey Cohen left behind. And these three detectives end up kind of working together and independently to find out what all is going on. Um, I will say I enjoyed the hell out of this, but you know, I, for a long time, I have wanted to watch just a really good, like 1940s sets, like Hollywood set noir film that was made afterwards, not made in the 1940s, fifties. Cause those are obviously great too. They're their own thing, but I just want to see that era presented, taken in a, a kind of unique direction. And I think the movie's really well shot. I, there are so many twists and turns that at times it's hard to keep up with, but I really like that. 
because, you know, I kind of like being in the dark as much as these characters are. Um, that said, I, there weren't any real performances here that really blew me away. Um, I think James Cromwell is probably my favorite performance in the film. He is like the police chief. To, uh, he's the police chief who um, kind of leaves the three men and kind of has his own methods. He is kind of really um, demanding in the role. Kim Basinger, I don't think she's bad by any means. Um, I just don't think that she does much at all. Like she plays the role exactly how I would expect it to be played without bringing anything much more. And so to me, that's just a, a very strange win, especially when you have like Minnie Driver there and uh, Gloria Stewart, who we'll talk about with Titanic. Um, I haven't seen the others yet, but we'll talk about Julianne Moore with Boogie Nights. But it's just a weird win to me. I, I, I would not pick her for that category, but I can understand the adapted screenplay win because I do think it presents the era really well in that it presents it as much, much seedier and corrupt than one might originally think. There's no real, I mean, there's a sense of nostalgia, but it's like a dirty nostalgia. So I don't know. It really worked for me. I was pretty fascinated and interested the whole time and all the twists and turns that took place. And what can I say? I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so this is like my third time watching this. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, first time was, of course, you just, yeah, I got to watch this movie. Whatever. Second time was maybe I'll like this again. I didn't. And this time I don't like this movie at all. Um, it's very OK. So it starts out decent where it's like, OK, this is going to get good. This is going to get interesting. And from there, it gets very confusing. OK, like you blink and I'm lost. Like, I don't, I don't care about any of these characters. I don't find any of them really interesting. I find Danny DeVito the most interesting character of the bunch, to be quite honest. Uh, he's a little TMZ junior here. But other than that, maybe his dynamic with Kevin Spacey also, I'll give it that. But Russell Crowe, I don't care. Guy Pierce, fine. James Cromwell, fine. Kim Basinger, though, don't even get me started. She does nothing in this. And I... I just, her being a sex symbol, I don't know if that's what got her a win. It's because she's like coming off of years of, oh, the, you know, the femme fatale and Batman or nine and a half weeks. If anybody's ever seen that, that's a raunchy movie. Um, I don't know. She does nothing. It's see, I don't even know what half of this plot is. I have nothing further to contribute except for nobody does really anything that I care about in this. That's it. That's all. I don't know. You know what? Watch Chinatown. You, how dare you? You're like, eh, out of the 40s, Chinatown, Noir, <laughs> Los Angeles. I, no, I agree. I agree. No, Chinatown, I agree, is a much better movie. Uh, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but does that deal with Hollywood as much? It's set in Hollywood. It's set in Hollywood, but it doesn't deal with Hollywood. Like this has like people becoming movie stars as part of like sex works, and it has a Hollywood gossip reporter. So that's kind of uh, the I love Lucy episode. Lucy visits Brown's <laughs> Chinese theater where she destroys John Wayne's footprints. And there's a whole <laughs> mystery in the town of who is this mysterious redhead there. Boom. Fair enough. I agree though. Chinatown is amazing and it's one of the best movies ever. So. And you, I mean, I have to agree with Christian. <laughs> I, 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 this is my first time seeing it. Um, I just, I don't think Kim Basinger does. I mean, he's been telling me for years because um i've been 
not wanting to watch it for years, but every time I bring it up, he's like, you have to like really pay attention or you'll get lost really easy. And I, it's like, I took extra care to make sure that I was like actually watching, paying attention. And it was just, it, I guess it just doesn't, didn't connect. Look, the second I got up to make hot chocolate and he immediately started looking at his phone, I knew that I had lost not only him, but myself. This was like okay, 10 minutes before the movie ended. But still, no, no, no. Because I'm not blaming him for looking at his phone because I then looked at my phone because I'm like, I'm out. I don't, I don't care what's happening. They could all get shot and killed. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, it's forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, I'm sorry. I I don't know. See, this should it not... should it be crystal clear though? I mean, I don't think it has be to be, but clear? like I don't think it has to be, but I I guess I just don't I don't connect with them those movies that like you have to be like you have to read stuff about it or like I don't know. I think or you have thing... to like interpret it the way like I like movies where you have to I don't know. I think the thing going for me is there's too many plots going on. That's the thing. You have three different people, four with um, Kim's character, five with James Cromwell's character. Okay. Everybody's going in a different direction to solve a murder and a mystery. I get that there's layers. There's always layers to these things. I mean, look at the classic noir movies of the forties and Mm fifties. There's layers to like the detective work, the femme fatale character, finding the smoking gun, yada, yada. But for this, it's just, it's, it's also muddled. And it's like, focus on one character instead of focusing on all three of them. Because mm-hmm. you know what? In all honesty, in all honesty, the most interesting story would have been the Kevin Spacey one for me. And I think because he's, I agree. The, one, he's I agree. the one who's in most of the show business aspect of it all. You know, and yeah. he's the one with like the um the whole trying to get the senator or the mayor, whatever he was, to sleep with the guy. And then there's like that whole mystery to it all. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then suddenly you have like, oh, this man is plastic surgery. So people can look like Lana Turner, which, mm-hmm. by the way, the best scene. I don't know if it's Lana Turner, Veronica Lake, but they're in the club. And then he's like, you just look like, wow, you're just a whore. And then it's like, no, that's actually yeah, that's Lana her. Turner. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's actually. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. I don't know. The way I look at it, like I have trouble explaining the plot right now. Like, but when I watch the movie, I'm into it and I get what's going on once it all becomes solid. And I, I guess what I like about it is like when the movie is going on, like I'm, I flow with it, but I don't know. This is also, I admit, this is a total Brett movie. Uh, and so I did not expect the two of you to like it as much as I did. So that's that's the phrase I use. This is a Brett movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally. Uh, but this did, like we said, it got the supporting actress win for Kim Basinger. Um, adapted screenplay win as well. And it was also nominated for seven more uh, picture director, cinematography, art direction, sound, film editing and dramatic score. And it won a shit ton of critics awards leading up to this. Yes. Yeah. I could see that being the distant runner up to. So the yeah. taste. All right. Any further thoughts on LA confidential before we go on to our best picture winner? Cops are corrupt. <laughs> that is for sure. Down to. Yes, absolutely. 
All right. Well, Christian, we have reached our winner. Would you like to take us away here? Yes, here we go. All right. Titanic, directed by James Cameron. Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. So anyway, I, I've always really liked it. <laughs> I mean, that's the plot. Um, so, okay. For those of you who don't know the plots, where have you been? Okay, this is one of the biggest films that's ever been made in modern era. Jack Dawson, Rose DeWitt Bucator, two star-crossed lovers on the ill-fated Titanic, which was a ship that sunk in the North Atlantic in 1912 because of an iceberg, okay? They fall in love, she's engaged, so, you know, this conflict there, of course, and it follows them, their journey, the Titanic's journey to what happened on that fateful night in April of 1912, as told from the viewpoint of Old Rose, played by Gloria Stewart. Gloria Stewart being an actress way back from, like, the 20s and 30s. Of course, if you've ever seen The Invisible Man, she's, like, the love interest in The Invisible Man, which is always so shocking to me. Um, but anyway you've had 25 years to see this movie. I think everybody has seen this movie. This is one of the rare occasions where a three hour, how long? Three hours, 15? Yeah, three hours and 15 minute movie goes by in like a breeze because you've seen it your whole life. You're familiar with the songs. You're familiar with the, like the door controversy at the end. It This is a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. Okay. And it's great. It's absolutely great. I love it. You all love it this which picture was best i mean come on we, we answered <laughs> even a couple we answered the question when we introduced the episode okay uh, this is titanic but i do want to hear opinions as do our listeners because why do you love it um but yes go ahead but either one um so i just want to add to i remember i got really got into this movie because they showed it on tv a lot when i was a kid like and um i just i love this movie too obviously like i said before um i actually own the book that i used to check out at the library it was called like 882 and a half facts because it's like the length of the titanic one fact per it's like a pretty cool book but um yeah i just it's definitely one of those movies um that i've always loved and my dad i think it kind of stems from my dad too because he used to put on tv a lot like i said um but how do you just i just don't think you can not like at least like this movie a little bit even though it's like three hours, but yeah. It's honestly some, before you go, you go Brett, it's honestly some of the most committed directing to and mm-hmm. most committed behind the scenes production of this thing. Like James Cameron is, I mean, you, you would think like, oh, James Cameron, he's just a fan of Titanic. He made a movie. No, the man has an obsession with Titanic to the point that he went into the vessel, the vessel. He went to see the actual shipwreckage to film things. He's invested most of his life in Titanic and little blue people, which we don't want to talk about. <laughs> um, but no, this is like, this is his thing as a committed fan. Well, this was the movie to make and his direction here. A lot of people say the first half is fine, but even if you think that, it's great. Yes. The second half of this, the actual iceberg from iceberg to sinking is a masterful masterpiece in how to direct something. Yes. And well, didn't he like get inspired a little bit from, for Avatar from underwater scenes when he was going to Titanic? Cause isn't Avatar oh, yeah. 2 like going to be underwater or something. If that ever happens. So it's like this Titanic <laughs> inspired like so much of his life. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just a thought. I, 
I imagine he was like just totally exhausted too. Cause I was looking like he, I forgot, like he made two documentaries after this, but like as far as narrative features, he didn't make anything else until Avatar. So, um, yeah. which he, he takes a lot of time between movies anyway, but obviously. Um, cinema <laughs> cinema <laughs> no titanic is it it's it lives up to the hype i mean if there was a movie ever that lived up to that and this one this one has about as much hype as, as any movie ever because it was so so many people saw it and it won all the awards including best picture and it lives up to it i it is phenomenal um have i ha, have either of you seen this in a theater before no, no, unfortunately, I missed okay. it when they when they put it out for the hundredth anniversary of the sinking. Yeah, I I went and saw it when they it would have been the fifteenth anniversary of Titanic. Um, little Syracuse, Kansas got Titanic at the theater, and uh, I, yeah, was that three D? Yes, well, yeah, it would have been three D. Yeah, because they so. put it out because it was for the fifteenth and the hundredth anniversary of the sinking. Yes, yeah. So um, I went and saw it and it, it's remarkable. I mean, the, the movie doesn't lose anything if you watch it at home. You know, it's incredible either way. But like, if you can get the chance to see it in a movie theater, it's totally yeah. worth it. Um, I, this watch, I can't believe how well the visual effects hold up. Like, I, I cannot believe it. I, to me, I watch it on Netflix, you know, and to me, they hold up extremely well. The scene mm-hmm. where like when we first see the iceberg and it's like coming by and like the, you know, Leo and Kate look up at it and they're like, you know, it's, it's kind of terrifying. Um, and of course where the, the Titanic actually sinks and it splits in half and they, you know, goes perp- uh, you know, perpendicular vertical. It's, it's really terrifying. It, it's, it's scary stuff. And it's like you said, Chris, I think that's something I forgot too, is that like, it's three hours and 15 minutes, but it is pretty much the halfway point when it starts the sinking, you know, that the whole second half of the movie is just that sequence. Um, and it's really incredible. And, but the first half, I think the two halves are just as good because the first half is so appropriate, so necessary because we have to care about these characters. And if you don't, then you're soulless. I mean, you're heartless. Um, the scene that I love, it, it might honestly be my favorite scene, is when they're like spitting off the dock. Um, you know, Jack is like showing Rose, like, I gotta teach you how to spit. And he's like hawking up this loogie. And because that's the moment where like she is very high society and whatnot. That's where they're just having fun. There's like a almost like a childlike nature to it. Um, and just that it builds up a romance, but I think they're just they're very well connected friends first um in this short amount of time that they really do have a true desire for each other that is extremely well felt um which makes the sinking and everything that comes after it all the more tragic um but no great ensemble as well uh kathy bates is perfect casting to play molly brown i mean i mean just like obviously she's she's living in the, in the shadow of, of debbie reynolds you know doing that role but for the short bit that she's in the movie i think she's excellent as well um all the characters you know even like billy zane he is like absolutely despicable in the way he should be um francis fisher as as rose's mom they all work for me um but for me the standout is kate winslet i mean yeah she is phenomenal 
I mean, I just, I fell in love with both characters, but especially hers, just like the changes she goes through, the way that she kind of refutes this aristocratic society that she's a part of. And um, they're all terrific. She is exceptional. Um, and so it, it, it's so good. The, the three hours and 15 minutes, it truly flies by. It's every bit of it is interesting. Every bit of it is fun. Um, and it is truly cinematic. I mean, I'm not even joking. Like this is a, a truly cinematic experience. It is an epic film. For yes. sure. We were talking about this yesterday. It is an epic film set in one location on a boat. Like most epic films you think of, like Ben-Hur, Lawrence of Arabia, they're set in multiple locations. This is set on one boat. And it's one too where even though it has two central characters, you focus on so many little ensemble members, like especially the, the third class people, like Fabrizio, you care yeah. about them when they die. Like uh-huh. the little kid, you care about them so much. Like that's the thing. Then like one of my favorite moments is when the band is playing um, that final time and you see the panic in everybody, there's moments like that where it doesn't focus on Jack and Rose. Mm-hmm. You don't need to at this time. You, you know what they're doing. They're over here somewhere. It's like, let's see everybody else freaking out. on like, what do we do next? What do we do in this situation? Yeah. There's just not a moment that feels wasted. I mean, a lot of times in a, in a movie this long, it's even epic movies, it seems like there are scenes that we don't really need. And I, I never really get that here. Mm-hmm. um christian i know you talk about the scene where they're having like the the church service um and leo or wh- what did they do it's not church service what are they they're all singing and whatnot and leo runs down and is trying to get in what that's the church service that's the church service what do i yeah. talk about i thought you mentioned that was like one of your favorite scenes when he comes down and like is trying to get in and the guy won't let him oh you must have been talking about something else oh, okay I forgot what I was talking about. I didn't mention the scene to you and I now forgot it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was there not a church there's service so in the movie? Good- I was trying no, to read no. your facial expression. Like there was a church service, right? It is. Yes. <laughs> I don't, there's so many good scenes. <laughs> but no. Yeah. It's great too. We watched the making of this also. The making of it's kind of cool. There's a lot of uh, blue screen that he did. That makes sense. I don't know. It's certain things you're like, wait, what? Yo. Well, because like he, he, they only built like one half of the ship. They only built like one half of the Titanic, obviously. So like when they're like shooting on the other side, it's like they have to like flip everything. That's interesting. Hmm. Also, I don't know. It's like we were talking about this too. The whole cracking of the ship in half situation. Like nobody really accepted this belief until this movie came out. (laughs) Oh, I, I read about this. It's kind of interesting, I guess. So there were people during the inquiries who said, yes, the ship broke in half. More people actually said that and more people didn't know. I don't know how you don't know, but and only a couple people said that it did not. And those people who said that it did not were, of course, people who actually mattered mm-hmm. to the inquiry people. So it just got adopted that it did not by the general interesting consensus and it just didn't matter i guess that much to the people who (laughs) were in charge right yeah right exactly i do want to talk about a little movie from 1957 which is also called a night to remember which is in if james cameron comes finds me and shoots me down and tells me no it is a direct inspiration to this film. Like sure. there are line by lines in a little mm. bit of the scenes. There's scene for scenes, 
I mean, obviously it's an event, but that is a direct inspiration. And it is only 90 minutes to cover that, but it is still as good and effective. And in that case, you're following ensemble. You don't follow a particular set of. Yeah. So it's almost like t- it's like this movie, but like take away Jack and Rose. Yeah. Mm, it's good. Sense. And obviously the ship doesn't break in half. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. So this movie has been made quite a few times, really. Yeah. Because like. There was actually um, an actress on board the Titanic who made, it's a lost version, but she made a version of this, um, like a Titanic movie the same year that it sunk, which I thought interesting. Like she got wow. off the was like, yeah, let's go make a movie. There is a Nazi version of this movie as huh. well. I'm pretty sure it's on Canopy, but because I've read when we did 1944, I think that's when it came out, something like that. Hmm. But uh, it it talks well it feels as if they they being the nazi filmmakers blame europe and their capitalistic natures for the reason it sunk oh yeah, yeah. and then there's a 1950 there's a 1953 version with barbara stanwick which is also really good too and then night to remember and then there's mini series but yeah we don't <laughs> don't talk about those <laughs> yeah, a lot those, of content. those aren't always the best <laughs> No, this is like, I mean, this is the master of them all. Right. Know? This is the yeah. one you remember. Yeah, this yes. is the one you remember. This is the most memorable of them. Because you have to. I mean, 19, I would have loved to have been in 97. I, I mean, I was, but I was a child. Like, aware of this and the magnitude of it. And then to go to, and 98, to go to Blockbuster and wait for a two VHS set. Yeah. <laughs> which I've seen one before because, like, my aunt had one. Actually, yeah. I have watched titanic on vhs oh that's right was that that one time your power went out my wi-fi went out one time and my brother and i just started titanic and i have the vhs i didn't have the blu-ray or the dvd so we just watched the vhs that's that's awesome i remember going to the library and like seeing the two vhs box there and whatnot so and i had i first had like the dvd and the dvd was split into two parts and i'm it's Mm. a dvd why and then finally when i got the blu-ray i didn't have to switch the disc and i was so excited (laughs) (laughs) it's probably more for the experience of switching than right actually needing to switch it's like the one movie that's like oh i have to switch it it's like iconic feeling you know (laughs) oh and also the um the uh like the non-Titanic scenes with Bill Paxton and Gloria Stewart and stuff. Those are actually, those are actually, those are actually <laughs> also pretty good too. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's a nice lead in and lead yeah. out, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, it's like nice. iconic. Like what is, there's that meme, like um, it's been old Rose years. is like the meme. <laughs> she is the meme. Um, and what is the, I can still smell the fresh paint. The sheets had never been slept on. The china had never been used. Titanic was called the ship of dreams. And it was. It really was. <laughs> wow. Very nice. You know what? And I will give it to them to start a movie. Not like we're going to go directly onto this boat. But to like start with the sinking discovery and build yeah. character and stuff. That's good. Yeah. You know? I like that too. Right. And also through the making, uh, there's like so much you could talk about this, but like in the making of documentary, if you have the Blu-ray, there's Reflections on Titanic, which is the 15th anniversary. Like we're going to talk to people about it. But anyway, um, I guess they went to Minneapolis, the Mall of America's movie theater there. They thought they were seeing, what was it? Like a modern Shakespeare movie, but instead they put Titanic on and James Cameron was like, oh no, nobody's clapping. Like, what are we going to do? Because they all thought that this is just an extended preview. 
but like oh. then they're like oh wait shit we're seeing titanic because <laughs> listeners if you don't know this i mean but but titanic was destined to fail this movie was set up as like one of the biggest money uh what what would you say budget the big, biggest budget at the time yeah. Um, it was supposed to come out in like July and then October and then finally December. And people were like, this movie's going to bust. It's not going to do anything. It's going to fail. And then boom, it became a success. And really, to me, a more word of mouth thing, because if you look at the box office, it made more the second week than it did the first week. And it kept making. Yeah. Money. And then it kept making yeah, more. Money. Right. Yeah. Like it beat out the newest James Bond movie which you would think like oh a movie about a ship like we know like james cameron said in this you know the outcome of this Mm -hmm. and now you got to see how it happened though and like even in the first 10 minutes they show you the ship sinking like the simulation of that and yeah okay it's a brilliant movie (laughs) you could go on for hours about this you could yeah i really like the score too i mean the score really sells it and like the you've obviously got the song that everybody knows you know celine dion my heart will go on but like the way they kind of work that tune that narrative or yeah the tune into the the score throughout as well is I, really effective i think the, too. Score, the score came first actually that makes sense that yeah, makes from sense. what i've read because they were like we should put a song here well let's use this score the score has a nice little tune to it nice. yeah but no the score is good and the song, the song should not work at all. And yet it works. <laughs> it, it works for a lot of things, apparently. It still makes right. appearances all over Twitter. So. It's like, in theory, this movie, a lot of it shouldn't really work that well. But it, it just, I don't know. It does. Like, it's like three hours. It's rom-com about... Is, people it, a, on a, is it a rom-com? Not, a, rom- a romantic movie about people on a sinking ship. And it's just like, it just is so epic and great yeah like i mean that. if you were to like present that like okay we're going to tell a story about the titanic but it's actually going to be a story about these two young people that fall in love on the titanic a lot of people are probably like why like, right like why but it's it works so well that's how you build the emotion you got to have people that characters that you're going to care about and so um and there you go we've got an appearance by the the funko pops for jack and rose here um but yeah Best adaptation of Romeo and Juliet I've ever seen. So, um, not, not an actual adaptation. But um, <laughs> West Side Story is right here. What? Titanic. I need to get to it again. Yeah, Titanic. I mean, <laughs> okay, I, I go will, back and forth. I will battle on this ship. I will sink this ship. My, they're in my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there someday. So. Christian, do you want to go over all those wins? Yes. All right. So it did win Best Picture. Duh. James Cameron won Best Director. Made a... Okay. In hindsight, again, he's excited, but he said, like, I'm king of the world. And people still hate him for doing that at the Oscars. Okay. I don't get it. Why? The man's excited. It's a line from the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, I- cinematography, art direction, costume design, film editing, sound, sound effects, editing, visual effects original song and dramatic score um so like we said it wasn't nominated for screenplay also i think i said the shape of water but i think that was nominated so i don't know okay. what was last to be um so three additional nominations kate winslet for actress gloria stewart for supporting actress and the makeup notice the one person who was not nominated in that and that is the leading man leonardo dicaprio mm-hmm. which because of that he did not show up to the oscars that year I didn't even realize that actually. Oh, yes. I didn't know that either. 
He did not go to the Oscars because he was not nominated. Interesting. Fun fact. Actually, there. yes, Titanic is the most recent Best Picture winner to not be nominated for a screenplay. Show Brett this, what we're looking at. I actually, people at home will just have to visualize this. Is this the, the Robert boy, Osborne? No, the boy has a list. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Explain what the list is. It's just every Best Picture winner and what they were nominated for, basically. Oh, okay. So he just pulled that out and is like, oh, yeah, no, it was Titanic. So it's only like Titanic, okay. The Sound of Music. Hamlet. This not very many. Not very many. <laughs> this, this is what he does. He's the statistic person. So, and that kind of pisses me off. Like I, I get it. There are some well-written movies that year, but like, I, to me, like, and I think it's one of those things where, like, oh, it's more about the technical achievement. But the movie doesn't work unless the screenplay works. Like, right. if it comes off as too cheesy in the first half, then the second half isn't going to work either. So, right, because it well, it's written in a way that like. Um, you care about Rose and Jack and you you care about everybody else. It's like a very yeah. ambitious script. Right. So the so like Goodwill Hunting, as good as it gets, Boogie Nights, the Full Monty nominated. And then of course the fifth nominee, we gotta go with our Woody Allen movie, because we're the Academy. Woody, we love you. Yep. Some sort of it's deconstructing Harry, never seen it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, obviously a big night for Titanic ends. We would all agree a, a truly deserving and fantastic movie. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts, fun facts, anything else that comes to mind? Do you have anything? Um, there's a factually inaccurate scene where. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, is this orange juice? Orange, they're drinking orange juice. <laughs> and ba- yeah, basically. Um, Orange juice wasn't popularized until world, the 40s during World War II because um, like soldiers didn't like the taste of vitamin C packets. So they developed orange juice concentrate. And weirdly enough, it didn't even become a thing until after the war, but that's why it was a thing. So it wouldn't have been a thing in 1912. I, I just love it just because it's wild. Like, I don't even care that they made the mistake in Titanic, like whatever. Right. But like the fact that orange juice wasn't a thing like really until the 1940s is for some reason that's so wild to me. Like Rose wanted a mimosa. <laughs> um, Reba was supposed to play Molly Brown. What? Oh. Yeah, Reba. I don't think so. Yeah, like she was uh, in consideration, but then I Kathy, can see Kathy's that. good, though. Yeah, I was good. I like, I love Kathy Bates, but I could see, yeah, I could see Reba doing that. There's a throwaway line that I now, a Toby can appreciate because it's with Molly Brown where she's like, and then Mr. Brown threw the money in the, in the chimney and it all burnt up. And that's, we watched the unsinkable Molly Brown for our sixties episode. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I understand that. I've seen that <laughs> visually. Also, uh, okay, there's so many fun facts. I'll wrap it up quickly here. But like Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he made a big deal in 2012 that the stars that Rose looks at when she's on the door are factually inaccurate to the day. And um, it's like, shut up. Who cares? Cares? Yes. They and they, they edited that scene to fit the stars that she would have seen that night. We didn't even touch on the door. Now that you mentioned the door, the door. I, I was gonna say, are we gonna bring up the door? He could have fit. <laughs> he could have fit on the door, but he would not have buoyed on the door. What buoyed. Do you call it? <laughs> buoyed. He would have been. The door would have been buoyant enough. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Also, okay, last thing for me, whatever. At the end, technical stuff. James Cameron takes from Night to Remember, right? The scene where Rose is looking for Jack when she's in the water, right? And mm-hmm. the camera pans up to see everybody else screaming and stuff. The only thing I could think of was Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind walking through the field of dead bodies because the same way the crane pulls up and you see all the dead oh bodies, yeah it's like whoa wait a second now you're seeing the people who are about to die in the water yeah that's eerie. It's all the people that you've been seeing through the movie <laughs> yeah that's the thing too I, the film even though it focuses on these two it, it really does capture the the tragedy of the events like right all the all the death all the you know everything that was happening all the violence that was part of it it is very well captured as well so. the class conflicts with it all yes. like her mom goes like are we going to be divided by class like no you're not although you yeah. are i guess <laughs> technically yeah it is fascinating it, so. his attention to detail is just yes yeah Look, when we get into our personals, he's winning, the movie's winning, you'll see what else. (laughs) It's like, spoiler alert, you know what's happening, but still listen to us because we're great. Yep, yep. You're not going to have any shockers from me, so. All right. Any further thoughts on Titanic? That's it. That's it. Okay. A jillion thoughts, but we we may come back to it in the next episode, too, so yeah. Uh, well, let's go ahead and jump into our ranking of these nominees to finish up this episode. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first here, going up from five to one. Uh, and I, I like all these movies. I, I gave all these three and a half plus. So good year for me. Um, number five, I have As Good As It Gets. Number four, The Full Monty. Number three, L.A. Confidential. Number two, Goodwill Hunting. And number one, of course, is Titanic. Toby, do you want to take us away on yours? Um, I agree. Like everything here is pretty decent. It's a pretty good year. LA Confidential and being number five, as good as it gets, the full Monty, Goodwill Hunting, and Titanic. Christian. Mine is the exact same as Toby's. <laughs> LA Confidential, as good as it gets, full Monty, Goodwill Hunting, and Titanic. All right. And so, as always, Toby did an overall ranking for us. Uh, pretty straightforward. We just have one tie in the number four spot with As Good As It Gets and LA Confidential. Then it goes to the full Monty. And, of course, our top two are Goodwill Hunting and the winner, Titanic. So, they got it right. Yes. Uh, second year in a row that we've done, where we would say they got it exceedingly correct. So, um, that, although there were some other really good, if not great, films here, Titanic is king of the world. So, yeah, I mean, that is interesting, though, because it's like you can't really like what is the runner up? It's like that's the big question, I think, this year, too. Yeah, it's obviously Titanic is like the best. But what is the runner up? You can't really I don't really know. There's no runner up. Yeah, I I, I think at the very least, there's a a huge distance between Titanic and whatever the next one is. And then after that was probably very close. This is is a year wide. it would be interesting to see what the voting was exactly. Was this a year they did like you have to be majority? Oh, I don't know. Because if it was, it's like the Titanic even need to go through the second round. It's like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wish they would release that, but alas. Awesome. Well, yeah, 
great year of nominees and a great year will continue as our next episode. Of course, we will come back and talk about six more films from 1997 that we picked. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode and any others. Um, as always, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and you can listen to us pretty much everywhere. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Um, and thanks to Joshua Arnoldi for doing our theme music. Thank you, Toby, for joining us today. Any final thoughts from you? No, as always, I'm looking forward to talking about the movies we picked for next time. Perfect. And Christian, anything from you? You can hear us near, far, wherever you are. <laughs> and every time I say that, Celine gets another check. <laughs> far, wherever you are and wherever you listen to your podcast. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, be sure to tune in next time. Bye.